Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. Last week, I taught at one of the better churches in Greenville, South Carolina. It's called Fellowship Greenville. If you're moving to Greenville, if you're looking for a good church, I do recommend that one. They have been around for maybe 80 years, and they are doing a wonderful job in the upstate of South Carolina. But anyway, I was asked to teach a class on preferences, and so I thought for this podcast, I would give you an article and a podcast and an infographic to talk about this idea of preferences, because we all have preferences, and it would be really easy for us to get into disagreements and get into even arguments over our competing preferences. And so in this podcast, I want to talk about how the gospel, when it is practicalized, that it has to be the transcendent idea in our lifestyle. In fact, the practicalized gospel has to transcend over cultural preferences, religious traditions. It has to transcend over our expectations. If you practically understand what I just shared with you, you will learn how to live with others who have preferences, desires, wants that are different from you. Of course, the opposite of that is also true. If you don't get what I'm saying in this podcast, or if you want to, you can read the article, that's fine. You can expect ongoing frustration and dysfunction with folks who are not like you. And by the way, every other human on the planet is not like you. And so I really hope that this podcast and the article on our website will benefit you as as you think about your preferences, the things that you like, especially if you are married If you are married with children, those who are closest to you, they're all different from you in some very real ways. I talk to parents about this regularly. (laughs) It's like I was talking to one last week and said, yes, when our children started growing up, we can't manage them anymore. They start having their own thoughts, their own ideas. And we are not driving the car of their lives any longer. This is a thing. And so if you want to read this podcast, I would love for you to do that. Go to our website, rickthomas.net. The title of the podcast and this article is How to Live with People with Different Preferences. I do have a infographic here that you can also look at. It will be beneficial for you. And as always, we have free community forums that you can jump on and ask any follow-up question that you want, or perhaps you have a question about something else that you would love to discuss with me and our team. We would love to do that with you. I want to thank Dave and Joan and Stephen recently became supporting members of our website. Dave, Joan, Stephen, thank you for your support. It is quite meaningful. Molly, thank you for your donation. Someone just wrote in yesterday and they asked, they said, I don't want to be a member. This is another individual. I don't want to be a member, but I would like to donate. You can do that. If you have any questions about that, just write our office at support, support at 
rickthomas.net, support at rickthomas.net. We'll be glad to uh, talk to you about that. Ken, thank you for leading the charge in Michigan. Uh, we have finalized a conference that I'll be doing in September of 2019 uh, in in Michigan. And so, Ken, thank you for, for that. Paul, thank you also uh, for uh, working with me last week and uh, contacting our office and us getting together and working through the conference that I'll be doing in Florida uh, this summer of 2019, Cecilia, thank you also in Florida for uh, leading point for me to do a conference at your church as well in Florida. For those of you who live in Florida, pastors and so forth, we will be down there uh, doing meetings in the summer of 2019. So that'll be June and July if you uh, want us to speak to your church, if you want me to speak to your church or organization, counseling team, whatever it is that you have in mind, please contact us and we'll be glad to do that. One final note, as many of you already know, we are building a new website because we have to. It has, it has become burdensome at this point and we are struggling behind the scenes and that is a, it's a real thing, it's a daily thing with our ministry and so the Lord has been Kind enough, kind enough to lead us to the right uh, web development organization to where they can build a website for us. There's a lot of cost involved. I mean, a lot of cost. It will cost uh, at least twenty-five thousand dollars to build the machine, the house, the the house, the sanctification center that we need. And so that's one of the reasons I'm thinking Dave and and Joan and Stephen and Molly and uh, and others who. Uh, support our ministry or donate to it. And so if you want to help us, you can join our community as a supporting member or you can make a donation and I would really appreciate it. I received a note also uh, today and I don't know if I'll get his name correct, but I'll just say it. Uh, Gada, 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 uh, G-H-A-D-A. Uh, he read one of our articles uh, called uh, Ever Tried Manipulative Praying, and I won't get into what that's about. It's about intense suffering and how to think about God during suffering. But this is what God has said with the note that he sent. He said, powerful, this article brought me to tears. Sometimes I feel so alone in this type of suffering. I suffer. And then I read this. Thank you so much for the article, Gata. Gata, you're welcome for the article. And I won't, the reason I'm sharing that with you, he shared that on one of our public social media platforms, so it is in the public domain. But the reason that I'm sharing that with you is because I do want you to know that you're impacting lives. This individual doesn't support our ministry, not that I'm aware of, but he benefits from it. So when Dave and Joan and Stephen and Molly, uh, when you donate or become supporting members, you're helping people like this who is going, in his words, through intense suffering. And so thank you so much. Let's talk about preferences in this podcast. Again, the title of it is How to Live with People with Different Preferences. Should I say in Jesus' name at the end of all my prayers? That's a preference. 
And by the way, for the record, I don't. Our family doesn't typically do that, but guess what? We will do that with our more traditional Christians because that is a, a cultural uh, traditional religious thing that they do. We don't in public settings, I will say, in Jesus' name to kind of close out a prayer, but I don't do that. So should you? We're talking about preferences here. We're not talking about something that the Bible mandates. How about this? Can I drink a beer? Is it wrong to have lost friends? Should I agree with everything my church is doing? Uh, Working through preferences is like wrestling a greased pig. You can't get your arms around them all. Our part of the country does, and then fill in the blank. Another part of the country does, and fill in the blank, and it will be something different. This family believes such and such is right, while the next family does something completely different. This home, this church, this person does it this way, while that home, that church, that person likes to do it another way. And then there are generational struggles. The old guard, by the way, I am the old guard, and I celebrate that as I've shared with folks over the past few weeks when this conversation has come up. I love being old. I really do. No lie. I won't get into that here, but I just love being old. But the old guard, my people, we are perplexed by the ubiquitous control of technology, while the new guard, all of you who are not as old as I am, you, you live a life with technology as though it is an addictive appendage. Bob Dylan was right. For those of you who are the old guards, you know who he is. He he wrote a song called The Times Are A-Changin'. For those of you who are not familiar with Bob Dylan, no big deal, but I'm sure you can find him on YouTube and you can find this, this uh, rebellious uh, 60s uh, protest song that he wrote among many. Because of the myriad of preferences... And the false assumptions around preferences, our family has steered away from making cultural or religious preferences the point of focus or normative. We don't do that. When we, we see people doing this or choosing to do that, that is not our point of focus. It's not a primary talking point. Our What we strive to do, we want to choose to learn how to live out the practicalities of the gospel, because the gospel practicalized is a transcendent lifestyle over cultural and religious traditions, preferences, and expectations. The way that I taught my children the word transcendence when they were younger is we drew it out on, a, on an iPad, because even though I am the old guard, I do like this technology. I'm kind of an anomaly that way for an old person. But I drew out the word transcendence on an iPad, and the way that I did it is I drew a, a rocket, a rocket that launches from Cape Canaveral. 
and I showed it going through piercing the clouds and and going out into outer space. The rocket is transcending. It is rising above the earth. That's what the word transcendent means as far as a practical definition. And so the gospel practicalized is a transcendent lifestyle over cultural and religious traditions and preferences and expectations, I hope that our children will not be dismissive of other people's choices while being humble, wise, and courageous enough to know how to be subservient to them. You see, Christ, the gospel incarnate, was fully aware of and willing to obey the customs of his day. And you see that throughout the Gospels, the four Gospels. And for the most part, he did follow those customs unless they negatively impacted the higher purposes of the Gospel. To be transformed by the Gospel in order to transcend above cultural, religious traditions and preferences, you have to be affected by it first. Now, I have an infographic here in this article that I want to walk through the best that I can. You can't see it unless you go to the website. I would encourage you to take a look at it. But this infographic shows you how to become so gospel-centered that you can transcend above cultural preferences or religious traditions. And so there are basically five steps in this infographic, and they are in this sequential order. So here it is. Number one, in order to be transformed by the gospel and to practically have it guide you, to allow you to transcend above preferences and not get hung up in people's preferences. Number one, you have to be regenerated. Well, that's obvious. If you're not born again, then, well, okay, you're, you're nowhere, man. And so you have to be regenerated. You have to be born a second time. All right, number two, after regeneration, you begin a process of being changed from the inside out. Number three, as you are being transformed internally, you're being humbled by what God is doing to you. You see the progression? God regenerates you. You begin to transform internally. As you experience this, it is a humbling effect. Dear Lord, why would you do this? Why would you be so kind to me? Not only to save me, salvation, but to transform me, sanctification. I am humbled. Well, guess what happens when you are humbled? James 4, 6 says, God gives power, gives empowering favor, gives grace to the humble, and so your humility is proportional to the power, empowering favor that God gives you, or you could say it the other way around. The empowering favor, the power that you have from the Lord is proportional to your humility. And so I am regenerated. I began to change from the inside out, point number two. Then point number three, I'm humbled by God's work in me. Well, guess what? Guess what grows out of humility? Number four, I experience power, God's empowering grace. And that leads to the last point, point number five. Now I can love others, even if they are different from me. You can't love others 
if God is not giving you the sustained favor, grace, power to love them. You will not receive God's power if you are not humbled. And so what I have given you are five sequential steps. These steps are essential and non-negotiable if you want to be transformed from the inside out while enabled to love others well, especially those who are different from you. Now let me walk through these five steps. I want to explain them with a little more clarity, I hope. Step number one, the gospel teaches that we are mutually depraved and equally in need of a great Savior. Mercifully, God came to each of us, those of us who have been born from above. God has come to us sometime in our past, and he has given us the gift of salvation. Now, this gift is of salvation is called many things. A part of the gift of salvation is the doctrine of justification, meaning God has declared us not guilty. We are now free and clear to move about the country. We are now free and clear to live with God in a, in a non-condemning and a sustaining way. We have been born again. Step two, from that point of departure, our inner person begins to be renewed. Now we are changing by the power of the gospel. Now, this is a lifelong process. We call it the doctrine of progressive sanctification. So step one, I am being regenerated. Step two, I am progressively transforming incrementally all the days and weeks and months and years of my life. Step number three, the doctrine of justification and sanctification are humbling doctrines. Think about it. God declares you not guilty, you are justified. God continues to work in you in a progressive, incremental, regular, consistent, sustaining way. Together, the doctrines of, of justification and sanctification remind you of your helplessness to be rescued apart from the gospel. Correctly understanding your salvation and sanctification will humble you, if it doesn't humble you, there's something wrong with your understanding. You don't have enough theological knowledge to understand what God did with the doctrine of salvation and sanctification. And so step number three, now you're, experience, you're walking in humility. You're experiencing humility. And now we're at step number four. And God did promise, as James says, that the humble person will receive God's empowering favor, a favor that enables the Christian to do many love actions. You're now positioned for point number five. You can live with people with different preferences. Now, if you want to know what love actions are, you want to know what, it li what it's like to live the Christ life inside the world in which you live, inhabit, then I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Let me read it to you, and every time I say the word love, you say your name. Here's 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. And so you would say, Rick is patient, or whatever your name is. Love is patient. 
Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. Are you substituting your name there? Does it sound like you? Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not irritable. Love is not resentful. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Can you see how the person living in this empowering favor that God gives him, that flows out of their humility, how you can live with anybody with different preferences. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. And so I would love for you to take that list, insert your name, and see how you stack up. If you're not doing well there, then the transformative gospel is breaking down somewhere in your life. The love list is merely a sampling of how a gospel-motivated person operates in the world in which he lives. A gospelized person can love others expansively because of Christ empowering strength in him. Or as Paul said it differently than than the way that James said in James 4, 6, Paul said in Philippians 14, uh, 4, 13, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This empowering makes the gospel. It makes Christ the base for and the point of departure when it comes to thinking through how to live with others who have different preferences. Here's another iteration of the gospel formula, as seen in the infographic that I have here in the article, as well as what I've been saying to you. The gospel plus transformation equals humility. Humility plus empowering grace equals God-centered love actions, meaning the ability to love others who are different. The danger of not following this gospel formula, like in parenting, for example, can make your preferences a non-deviating mandate, which will more than likely make what you prefer a yoke of bondage around your children's necks. Later they will say, those preferences were daddy's hang-ups, not mine. Conversely, as the gospel trains your children, their little hearts can be transformed by its power, rather than by your preferences. And so here are two questions that you can ask regarding your parenting as an illustration of preferences versus the transcendent gospel. Number one, is the goal of your parenting to control your children by a set of rules? That's when your preferences are mandated. Or are you teaching them to be controlled by the love of Christ? That's when the transcendent gospel is controlling or managing them. The former, your set of rules, will bind their consciences into lifelong bondage and possible future rebellion, while the latter, teaching them to be controlled by Christ, will hopefully teach them how to change, to grow, to mature, all within the power and the parameters of the gospel. Without the gospel, they will have to learn preferences by rote, context, and culture. Later, if they are burnt out by their imposed rule-based culture in which they live, they will live a secluded, marginalized life that reduces the gospel's impact on the culture. This response will motivate them to migrate to an outlier's existence within their own culture. 
The New Testament equivalent to this were the Pharisees. They codified the rules without deviation or sound apologetics. In time, their religion became a joyous, joyless, fear-based, hollow, mandated set of rules that made them out of sync with the culture they were supposed to evangelize. The gospel is more flexible than that. It pivots without compromise. Gospel people are not afraid to penetrate their culture, choosing to become all things to all people while praying that God will win some of them to himself. Two extreme worldviews adulterate this gospel objective. One, separate from the world, which stifles the gospel, or imbibe in the world, which stifles the gospel. Christ did not separate. Christ did not imbibe. He penetrated. He became. He connected. He empathized. And he transformed without being distant, afraid, self-righteous, or compromise. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about. Our family enjoys the Biltmore Estate in Asheville, North Carolina. I think it's the biggest house in America. Let's just say it's a large castle-like house. It's a sprawling, beautiful place to visit with so much to see and so much to do. In addition, in addition to touring the Biltmore Mansion, we have been there so many times that we don't. We used to be when our, our kids were younger. We had an annual pass, and so we could go all the time. And most of the time that we go, we don't even go to the mansion. We just go to the grounds. And one of our favorite things to visit is the winery at the Biltmore Estate. Now, Lucia and I don't necessarily enjoy wine since we're not that big on alcohol. Our preference that I'm sharing with you about alcohol is a taste thing, not a biblical issue. I don't like alcohol, but I do enjoy going to the Biltmore Winery. It's very interesting. It's like the Budweiser tour that we took. We went to a ACBC conference in 2006, I think, or maybe 2008. I don't remember. But it was in St. Louis, and we toured the Budweiser facility because it was so interesting. Now, we don't drink alcohol. But it was interesting. We like interesting things. And so at the Biltmore House, on one of our family visits, we invited some of our conservative friends who were very close to us. Our children do sleepovers with their children and vice versa. We love this family genuinely. And they have an anti-alcohol stance. In overly simplistic religious terms, they would be considered legalists and we would be considered liberals. Before our visit to Biltmore, we had a sit-down with our children to walk them through discretion regarding preferences in the context of loving others who differ from us on secondary matters. The bottom line was that we would not go to the winery or even mention the existence of the winery while with our friends touring the Biltmore estate. I told our children that as we walked by the winery... We will not even give, a, give it a courtesy nod. Our usual time in the winery was a secondary matter to loving this family. This illustration is what Paul taught in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2. He said, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. 
If anyone imagines he knows something, he does not know yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Now, as far as the Biltmore thing went, our children were stellar. We enjoyed our friends while not making a secondary issue like alcohol, or in this case, even visiting the winery, because we don't like alcohol, but we didn't make it a point of division. I suspect they have had similar discussions with their children about our lifestyle choices. I hope they have. I hope they have envisioned their children about secondary matters and how they differ from us, but we love each other. It is impossible to be in 100% agreement with every person in your life. And fortunately, you don't have to make lockstep agreement essential for relating and engaging with others. This grace gift from the Lord is one of the things that sets Christians apart. We can be the aggressors when it comes to relating to those who are different from us. Our leader set this example for us to emulate as he was the aggressor in our life and we were so different from him. The gospel does not demand that you have an eclectic friend list. I'm not suggesting that you are wrong if you don't have a diverse friend list. But guess what? You should be free. You should be free for the possibility to engage and enjoy those who do things differently from you. Isn't this why we love Jesus so much? We were not like him, but he entered our world, hoping to engage, befriend, transform some of us. Let me ask you a question. Do you intentionally relate to those who are different from you? If you are, you're you're more gospel-centered than maybe others. Number two, are you able to enjoy your church, even though they don't do church the way you prefer? And finally, number three, are you more afraid of what others can do to you, thus you separate from them, or are you more determined to influence those who differ from you with the practical message of the gospel? If you want to read this article, please do look at the infographic. The title is How to Live with People with Different Preferences. Thanks for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.